Hey friends, my name is Sihle. I have a privilege of leading uh, one of Rooted's church plants, uh, Renewal Fellowship. We are in the east of Joburg. Give us a, a visit if you can. We are in the middle of a mini-series here at Rooted Fellowship, mini-series on prayer. We are also in the middle of uh, uh, 21 days of prayer. I'm hoping that everyone is enjoying that and we're really taking some time to, to pray. And now, to be honest, we're starting uh, a teaching on, on prayer. Last week, we had a panel uh, on prayer. Uh, today, we, we start just a little bit of teaching on prayer. And I know for most of us, it's a daunting thing to hear uh, like teaching on prayer uh, because we know that we are inadequate when it comes when it comes to prayer. We know we all sense that we when it comes to our prayer lives, it could be a bit better. Um, I think I haven't heard from anyone who had said, listen, my prayer life is really good. It's exactly where I want it to be. Um, most people, they say actually they struggle with prayer, you know, even including myself. Prayer is a struggle. It's, it's something that you work hard on. You know, when you, you know, hearing someone who's saying, man, my prayer life is a delight. Everything is cruising when it comes to, to, to that. Um, it, that's not the story for most of us. Now, what I want us to do today is actually not really focus on the discipline of prayer itself. I want us to, to look at the end goal about prayer. In other words, there are things that we know that we can only get through prayer. And therefore, prayer just reflects on how much we want those things that are only found in prayer. For example, we, we pray because we want God. We pray because we want communion with God. That's the end goal. And because if you really want the communion with God, we are going to pray. We pray because we love our non-Christian friends that we know that we can't save, only God can save. And therefore we pray because we want them to be saved. We pray because we want to mature in our faith. And the only way we can mature in our faith is through prayer. And therefore we pray because we can mature in our faith. That's the end goal. The end goal, if you really want the end goal, we're actually going to pray. Now, the guys last week, the panel last week, if you didn't watch that, I, will, I would really ask that you do watch that because they did a phenomenal job in giving us the basics on prayer. What is prayer? Why do we pray? Why pray if God is sovereign? All of those things that they looked at. Uh, and I'm not going to be going into those things. I would really say that please go out and check that podcast. I do want to add those to add though to those basics. Firstly, to really get real and talk about the anxiety we face when it comes to prayer. Why don't we pray? Why don't we pray? There are a few things, three things that I have here that are actually some of the issues we have when it comes to prayer. The first one is what I will call the outcome issue. The outcome issue, which is, does prayer work? You know, there's a lot of people actually who struggle with that. And I'm talking about Christians, you know, spirit-filled Christians who struggle with, does prayer work? And, and that happens for a variety of reasons. And, and some of them is because people have been hurt before, so to speak. They, they've been disappointed before. There's something that you really uh, prayed about and, and nothing happened. And it really made you to really rethink prayer. Does prayer work? You know, people really struggle with that issue the outcome issue. But secondly, there's a, a feeling unworthy issue. 
you know, you feel like uh, I'm the last person that God would want to hear and answer their prayer. You know, maybe my Christian walk is flaky. You feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not really one of those good Christians. You know, I'm struggling with sin. I'm struggling with stuff in my life. I'm the last person God wants to hear their prayer. You know, I'm, I'm not a church person like everyone else. I'm a Christian, but I'm just not there and you feel unworthy. There are a lot of people also in that camp where you feel unworthy and therefore you don't really pray. The third one would be our view of God. Even the way we view God actually hinders whether we, it hinders our prayer. Some of, some of us view God as, you know, he's busy doing other things. He wouldn't want to attend to my prayer. Some of us, we view God as, uh, you know, just this judge who's, who's just ready to pounce on us when we do something wrong rather than a gracious father. That even affects our prayer. Here's an example. Um, do, would you, which category would you be here? You know, when you've done something wrong, do you say, I've messed up. God is going to kill me. My father is going to kill me. Or do you say, I've messed up. I need to call my father. I need to go to God. You know, those are two different ways of approaching God. You know, I've messed up. God is going to kill me. Or I've messed up. I need to run to the father. And wherever you fall in that category determines how your prayer life goes. And here's the thing. If prayer is the key to what God has for us, Jesus is the door. Let me say that again. If prayer is the key to what God has for us, Jesus is the door. What do I mean? Prayer is not something that we do as Christians on its own. It's like a, a different category on its own. It's a part and parcel of our relationship with Jesus. It's part and parcel of our understanding of the gospel. God has provided a way into his heart, and that is through Jesus. No longer do we have to stand outside, barred from the nearness of God because of our rebellion. We may now enter in because of the work and the person and the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Real prayer comes not from just duty and greeting our teeth and bearing and just going with it, but it comes by being in love and delighting in our Savior, Jesus Christ, and wanting to be more like Him. And there flows a vibrant prayer life. It, it comes from real, genuine delighting in Jesus. And we see that with Paul. We see that with Paul. He, he's, he's so encapsulated by what Jesus has done for him, and it flows in even the way he prays. The things Paul prays for are way different from us. I don't know if you've seen Paul's prayers in, in the epistles. They're very different from us, and it'd be good for us to learn from him. It'd be good for us to learn what do we put in our top list when it comes to prayer. If someone comes to you, you know, someone we haven't seen for a while, and they say, and it's good to see you, what can I, when I, can I, what can I be praying for you? What do you say? What are the top three things that you really say when it comes to uh, prayer, someone to pray for you? We see in, in our text today the top list for Paul when it comes to what he prays for, even when he prays for people, what he prays when it comes to people asking for prayer. 
And here's the thing. We all learn prayer from imitating people around us. You know, whether you were a young Christian and you didn't know how to pray and you learned it by the people around you. I mean, you can tell someone the tradition that someone, you know, the church tradition that someone comes from by just the way they pray because those are the people that they were around. You pray and you learn to pray by imitating people around you. Now, why why don't we become intentional with people who teach us how to pray? Specifically, people, the Bible. Why don't we go to the Bible and let the Bible teach us how to pray? And I want us to do that today, to learn from this Paul's prayer that will teach us, specifically with regards to the priorities of the things we pray for. We're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 3 from verse, 20, from verse 14 to verse 21. I'm going to read it for us. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into the text. Let me read it for us. Ephesians 3 verse 14. It says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with a measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. It is light into our path. I pray that now as you open up your word, what we do not know, may you teach us. What we do not have, may you give us. What we are not, may you make us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I don't know if you've noticed in the text that there's this word that keeps coming up, this word of power. This is, a, this is a prayer Paul prays for the Ephesians. And to summarize it, he's praying that they may have power. Now, that may be a bit uh, awkward for some of us because the way we view power is a different thing. You know? We view power as something that uh, you know, is something for ourselves. We need power for this, for that. But Paul, actually, you need to really look into this passage on what is the power that Paul is really praying for when it comes to to these people. What we see in this passage is the two main petitions. Paul is making two main asks here and those two petitions are covered in an intro and then they end with a doxology. So that's how we're going to look into that. We look into these two petitions, we go back to the intro and then we look at the doxology. Let's look at the first petition that we see here. The first thing that Paul asks, he says, he says, Paul, he says, uh, prayer, I'm praying that you may be strengthened with power through the Holy Spirit in your inner being. We see that in verse 16. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Paul is praying 
that they may have power. He's praying that they would have power. Now again, he's talking about power in a different way than what we normally know. In fact, Paul has spoken about power in chapter 1. He's spoken about power that they may know the measurable power those that comes to those who believe. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. And that agency. So Paul is praying for that power again to these people. And the agency of that power in the spirit of God. He's saying that you may be strengthened with the power through his spirit. That power comes through the agency of the spirit. And it says that power, it is going to your inner being. That power through the spirit is going to your inner being. Now your inner being is, is your, your soul, your inner man. The, the part of you that, that matters. Your soul, where everything sits, your emotions, your will, the things you do, everything is coming from your inner being, your soul, where everything falls, uh, flows from. And Paul is praying and he's saying here, I pray that you may have power through the Spirit in your inner being. Now Paul, and then he double-clicks this. He double-clicks this prayer this petition with what purpose is this power for? You may be asking that. Why would Paul pray that I may have power in my soul? He double clicks to say, what is this power for? Because, I mean, many people want power. Everyone wants power. If you just said, I pray that you may have power and leave that at that, it may be confusing for some of us. But he explains why is this power for? He says, in verse 17, so that, he explains, it's in the text, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I'm praying that you may have power. That power comes through the Spirit. It's going to your soul, to your inner man. Why should you have the power? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, the word dwell here literally means that, that Christ may take residence. It's this word of, of residence, someone dwelling there permanently. He may take residence in your heart. Now, you may ask, well, wait, wait a minute. If I'm a Christian, Paul is talking to Christians here. Christ already, already dwell in their hearts. But actually what Paul is saying here is he's, he knows that Christ is already dwelling in the hearts. But he's saying he may take residence, that their hearts may be shaped by Christ. Here's an example. He, he, Paul is talking about here this idea of a, of a fixer-up house. I don't know if you, you've, you know, you've been in a place where you, you're buying a place or you've, or you've rented a place and you get there, it's, it's a mess. It's a, it needs fixing. I mean, I, I normally even watch the shows when, you know, if someone gets a, a house and they have to come and fix it up. You know, you, this fixer-up house where you buy, it's messed up, it needs fixing. But then you come in and you give it your personality and you give it your character, you change it up, you fix it up because you're going to take residence there. You're going to live there. It's going to start looking like you. And that's the idea of what Paul is saying here. That's the idea of Christ taking residence in our hearts. He has bought us. We are his. 
We are his house, so to speak. He has bought us, we are his, but he wants to take residence and fix us up to his likeness. He wants to form us, to use the language of Galatians 4.19. He wants to take residence and form us. And Paul is saying, I am praying that you may have power through the Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may fix you up. So that Christ may dwell in you permanently. That's, that's the first petition. Paul is saying that they may be strengthened in their inner beings so that Christ may take residence. Is that the priority for you? Is, is that something that you pray for? I mean, you, you, you've thought about the year. You've thought about the things that you would like God to do in your life. Is this part of that? That Christ may dwell in your heart richly. That he may take residence. That you may have power to strengthen you so that Christ may fix you up. I'm praying that this would be one of our prayers as a church. That Christ will dwell in us richly. That's the first petition. The second petition we see from verse 18 to verse 19, he says, and I pray, again, so this is the second prayer, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power, again, it's a prayer of power, now, but it's a different way now that the power works, he's saying may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Paul is saying in the second petition, still praying for power, but in a different way, he's saying, I'm praying that you may have power to grasp the limitless dimensions of the love of Christ. I am praying that you may have power to grasp the limitless dimensions of the love of God. And he says that will happen if you stay rooted and established in love. And Paul actually has again spoken about this rooting, this establishment in love for God's people in chapter 1. He says, let me just quickly go to chapter 1. He says in chapter 1 from verse 4, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. This rooting and establishment is from eternity past. In love, God has set out this plan for us to be adopted as sons through Christ. Paul is saying, I'm praying that you may grasp the love of God. And this love, you've been established in this love from eternity past. You've been established in this love from the plan of God before creation began. You are rooted and grounded in this love. Now, we, as we uh, people who come to uh, attend Rooted Fellowship, I don't know if we've, we've noticed that we have this word, this exact word taken from here, rooted, rooted fellowship. If, I don't know if you've wondered what this rooted means, rooted in what? And this is what Paul is talking about here, rooted in love, rooted in the love that God has showed us. That before we loved him, he loved us first. 
in eternity past, he set his love for us. Oh, that we may be rooted in that. Rooted fellowship. That we may be rooted in the love of God. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that you may have, you may have the power to grasp that. And he's saying, I'm praying that you may have the power to grasp the dimensions of the love of God. That you may have You may grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. It's so interesting here. Paul is saying you need power to grasp how much God loves you. Have you thought of that? He's saying you need power to grasp how much God's love is for you. You need to understand the length, the height, the depth, and the width of God's love for you. And Paul obviously here is using, is using metaphors. We can't really uh, put dimensions about love. How do you measure love? And he says that, in fact, he says, he, he says this love surpasses knowledge. He's saying, I, I, I'm praying that you may know this love that surpasses knowledge. You, you can't even grasp it, but I'm praying that you grasp it. This love, it surpasses knowledge. It takes power for us to grasp the love of God. And there's so many people, there are so many people that struggle with that. Does God love me? Even as Christians, even as Christians who've grown in the faith, does God love me? And Paul is saying, I am praying that you may have power to grasp how much he loves you. How much Deep is this love that God has for you. And he says, it's even going to take community for you to grasp this love. Look at what he says. He says in verse 18, that you may have this power together with all the Lord's holy people. In other, in other translations, he says, together with all the saints. It's going to take community for you to grasp this love. I mean, we are rooted fellowship. We, we know all about community. But have we thought about actually to grasp the love of God? It will take people to have people around them. It will take, because God uses people to bless you, to, to, to shower you with love. He's saying it's going to take community. I want you to have to grasp this love together with God's people. As humans, we don't know if we are loved if we don't if we don't know that we are loved it makes things difficult for us i mean you you could take a couple if 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 someone you know i i you know done few uh, marital counseling for people and you you can ask couples you know are you sure that this person loves you and you ask the other one are you sure that this person loves you if 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 there's someone who says i'm actually not sure if the other one loves me it just be, it's awkward. It's, it's difficult because then how does the relationship work if someone has no assurance of their love? But if someone is sure that this person loves me, it frees them. They can be themselves. They can do you know, whatever they want to do because they are assured of this love. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that you may understand that God loves you that you grasp the dimensions of God's love for you. And again, he talks about the the, the soul that, the purpose of you grasping the love of God. He's saying, 
in verse, in, in verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that, or so that, you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That's the reason. I'm praying that you may grasp how much God loves you so that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now you may be wondering, what is that? What is to be filled with the measure of the fullness of God? Now if you know any uh, uh, way we interpret scripture, we interpret scripture with scripture. Where has Paul used these words before of this uh, measure of the fullness of God? He actually has used it in chapter 4, the same book in chapter 4, verse 13. He says in verse 13, you know, he's talking about, I'll start from verse 11. He says, so Christ himself gave him, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The same words, attaining the full measure of the fullness of Christ. But he explains there what it is to become mature. So Paul is talking about that when all of this happens, we may be mature. He prays that you may have power to grasp the love of God so that you may be mature. I like what D.A. Carson says. He says, Christian maturity needs us to be drunk in the love of God. I love that. Christian maturity needs us to be drunk in the love of God. For us to grow and be mature, we need to understand the love that God has for us. Now, I need to say this in, in, in case someone doesn't get what exactly this text is saying. This text is not talking about our love for God. Paul is not saying, I need you to grasp your love for God. No, no, no. It's God's love for you. Grasp God's love for you. If you grasp that, you will be mature. What is this love of God that I'm talking about? 1 John 4 says, this is, how, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Christ on the cross is the pinnacle of God's demonstration of his love for us. He sent his son. He didn't send his son and then love us. He loved us first and then sent his son. He wants us to grasp how much he has loved us, and his love is shown on the cross. His love is shown on sending Jesus Christ. Grasp the cross, grasp what happens on the cross, and you're grasping God's love for you. And you may be mature. Again, the question that is obvious from this text is, when last did you pray like this? This is the prayer for Paul. We're talking about prayer at the end of the day. When last did you pray like this? That God, this year, may I grasp your love so that I may be mature. Lord, give me power so that I may mature in the faith. 
And my ask for us is that as we start this year, can we pray for basics? As we start this year, can we start and pray for the basics? Can we pray to grow in holiness? Can we pray to grasp God's love for us? If someone someone asks you, what can I pray for you? Can you just start with the basics? Please pray for me that I may grow in holiness. Please pray for me that that I may grasp God's love for me. Please pray for me that I may be mature. The basics. And then we see Paul, he says, he has this prayer, and this prayer is addressed to the one who's able to do exceedingly. Verse 20, verse 20. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine. Paul is saying this prayer is going to the one who's able to do exceedingly. In case you were wondering, remember we spoke at the beginning that sometimes we wonder if, if God will answer our prayers. We doubt if God will, 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 will answer our prayers. We, we've prayed before and nothing happened. You prayed before and you, can God really do this? Paul is saying in case you, you need some encouragement on the character of God, the one we are praying to can do more than we ask or imagine. He can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. We, can, we are praying to the one who can do abundantly. There's someone right now watching this. And this is not a prophetic word or anything like that. There's just someone right now, because I, I know how we are, who has given up about praying for something. Maybe because of, of, of your own rebellion and sin. Maybe because of what has happened in the past that you, you've thought God cannot change this. It could be an, a marriage that, that is falling apart. You think God cannot change this. It could be something in your own life. Sin that keeps tripping you again and again. You think God cannot change this. It could be anything. Paul is saying to you, He can do more than you even think or ask. He can do abundantly. He can do more than we think or ask. By by, by working, don't miss this. He says, according to his power that is at work within us. He does this by working powerfully in us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Friends, we are starting 2021. 2021 has begun. Some have called it that is the season two of 2020. I don't know how true that is. We are starting 2021. And for most of us, it's a, it's a different beginning of the year. It's almost like we are carrying everything from last year. It doesn't sound like a, a new slate. We're carrying stuff. We're already weary. We're already tired. There's a sense that this year is going to need more prayer than ever before. It's going to need more than just floating as a Christian. It's going to need you and me to pray. And here's how I want to encourage you. There are people maybe here who are not even, uh, when it comes to their prayer life, it's like, man, I don't even know where to start. Here's where you start. You, you pray what you've got. 
don't, don't pray what you wish you have. Pray what you've got. If, if you've got two words, if you've got one sentence, pray what you have. Pray what you've got. The old saints will say, pray until you pray. Start wherever you can start and keep going. Pray until you pray. And in all your praying, wherever you start, in all your praying, pray for power. Pray for the strengthening of the Holy Spirit. Pray for power, but not just any power. Power for your soul, for your inner being, for the strengthening of your soul. Pray for power that Christ may find residence in your heart. Pray for power that you may mature in your faith. Pray the basics. Pray that you may grasp the love God has for you. Pray that you may understand the gospel. Pray that you may understand the gospel. You may grasp how God has loved you in Christ. That while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That he sent, God sent his son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but they would have eternal life. If, you, if you're not a Christian today, pray that you may have eternal life. Pray that God will save you. If you are a Christian, pray that you may understand this love. You may grasp it. You may understand what, what God has done for you in prayer. But also believe that the one you are praying to can do abundantly more than you ask and think. He can do abundantly more than we ask and, th and think according to his glorious riches. That's what we have in this text. That's how we, we, we are praying that we start this year with basics. Paul prays here for basics and my prayer is that we may pray for basics. And these basics are crucial. Maturity in the faith. Understanding the love of God for us. Being strengthened in our souls. May that be our prayer. Let's pray. Holy Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. Thank you that your word is good for us. Lord, you know how much we struggle with prayer. We love you. We understand the gospel. But at the same time, we struggle with prayer. Lord, I do pray that may you help us. Help us to understand how much you have loved us in Christ. Help us to mature in the faith. Help us to pray the basics. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.